What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the JT Sports Podcast. I'm your host, JT. If you haven't already, make sure that you guys leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Listen to the JT Sports Podcast, available on all podcasting platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. We're trying to get to 100 five-star reviews before the season begins, so make sure to rate us five stars if you enjoy this episode. Today, we're going to be discussing how good will the Steelers be this upcoming season. We had a subscriber that DM'd us on Instagram and asked, how do we feel the Pittsburgh Steelers season is going to go this year? Bryce Young, what are the expectations for him going into this year? What am I expecting out of him? How good is he going to perform for the Carolina Panthers? What's Kyler Murray's future with the Arizona Cardinals? And why Kentucky is the SEC's most underrated team going into the 2023 college football season? We're going to start off with this. I had a subscriber that wrote in, and I apologize for not having the question on the screen, but if you have a question that you would like answered on a future episode, you can submit them on Instagram or Twitter. And he asked, JT, how do you feel the Pittsburgh Steelers season is going to go in the AFC North for 2023? And I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers definitely should be a playoff team. Yes, this is probably the toughest division in the NFL. The Cleveland Browns are really good. The Bengals and Ravens pretty much look like Super Bowl caliber teams. And for the Steelers, there are many fans who expect this team to be competing for either third or fourth place in this division. But despite Pittsburgh not being the most talented team in this division, they still do have Mike Tomlin. And Mike Tomlin, without a doubt, is the best coach in this division. And as long as the Steelers have Mike Tomlin, I expect this team to be competing for a spot in the playoffs. And when you look at what the Steelers acquired this offseason, when it comes to offensive line additions, you bring in a really talented offensive lineman from Philadelphia. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because I'm going to have a really difficult time pronouncing it. But they also do bring in another offensive guard and Nate Herberg, and then you draft left tackle out of Georgia in the first round, Broderick Jones. So this offensive line should be really good. On top of that, you already got Chuck Sakurafor at right tackle. You got James Daniels at right guard. So this should be a really good offensive line. And the nickname that people are giving this offensive line this season is the picket fence. And one thing that really held back Pittsburgh's offense last year was most definitely this offensive line. The offensive line played for the last couple of years in Pittsburgh has not really been all that good. It's been a little bit of a rebuild when it comes to getting this offensive line up to part. But this is probably the most talented offensive line that the Steelers have had in the last couple of years. And... You look at the talent that the Steelers have at the wide receiver position. You trade for Allen Robinson. You also have George Pickens, who is expected to have a breakout season this year. You have Deontay Johnson, one of the more underrated wide receivers in the game. Kenny Pickett has all the weapons in the passing game that is needed 
for him to have a big second year. And then we can't forget about tight end Pratt Fryermuth. He's going to have a really big role in this offense. You also did draft Darnell Washington out of Georgia, who is kind of like another offensive lineman when he's on the field. This dude is a bowling ball or a bowling ball on the offense when he ends up coming in on obvious running situations he's going to be like an additional offensive lineman he also does have the upside to become a really good addition in the passing game if he ends up developing his ability to catch the football he did have a good amount of drops during his time at Georgia but this dude has incredible size he's a fantastic athlete we can't forget about Najee Harris and then you had the emergence of Jalen Warren during the second half of last year so this should be a really good offense my only concern that I have with the Steelers offense going into 2023 is going to be the guy calling the plays who is Matt Canada. Now, as most Steelers fans know, Matt Canada is not really a good offensive coordinator. And I'm not really somebody to come on here and critique play calling because calling plays is really hard to do. But for Matt Canada, there's a large chance that his play calling could hold back the Steelers offense from being better than what it can be under a new OC. But one thing about Mike Tomlin is that I trust his judgment. This is somebody who has yet to have a losing season in all his years being the head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I trust his judgment and bringing back Matt Canada. And a lot of you guys have to remember that the key to a young quarterback being successful, not just is about the team that he has around him, but also making sure that you have stability and continuity on the coaching staff, which is probably the main reason why Mike Tomlin retained Matt Canada. He didn't want Kenny Pickett to go into year two under a new OC, having to learn a new system so he wanted to make things a little bit easier for Kenny Pickett going into his sophomore season by retaining the OC now if Kenny Pickett ends up not having a great year and this offense struggles I expect for Matt Canada to end up being gone once the season ends but last season near the second half of the year we did see this offense start to improve dramatically the play calling did get slightly better in my opinion so I do think at best this should be an above average offense there are many people who aren't really big believers in Kenny Pickett they go and they judge him based on the stats but if you actually watch the games during the second half of last year, Kenny Pickett was really phenomenal. He led the Steelers to several fourth quarter comebacks against the Raiders, which is the one that really comes to mind. I mean, this dude in big moments of big games, he found ways to make plays. And one thing that has always impressed me about Kenny Pickett is that this guy never seems to get rattled. It doesn't matter how he starts a game off. When it comes time to make plays and crunch time, this guy steps up and he balls out. Now on defense, this defense is absolutely phenomenal. I think that this is one of the better defenses that the Steelers have had going into any season. At cornerback, you have one of the better cornerbacks coming out of this past year's draft and Joy Porter Jr. Many people expected him to be a first round pick. I was not expecting this guy to be available in the second round. I was really excited when the Steelers picked him up. They signed Patrick Peterson, which... Many Steeler fans are really optimistic about what Patrick Peterson is going to bring to this defense. Not only are you going to have a veteran in the locker room that's going to be able to help and mentor Jory Porter Jr., but you also have somebody who's coming off a really solid season and last year with Minnesota. But my main concern with Patrick Peterson is that 
I don't think he's as good as what many Steeler fans are thinking. You see, many Steeler fans still think that Patrick Peterson is one of the better cornerbacks in the league based on how many interceptions he had with Minnesota. But in the few Minnesota Vikings games that I watched Patrick Peterson play in, ideally when they played the New York Giants in the regular season and in the wild card round, they got he got absolutely shredded by Isaiah Hodgins. And for those of you guys who don't know who Isaiah Hodgins is, this was somebody who was on the damn practice squad prior to getting picked up by the New York Giants. And I don't know if many Steeler fans don't have my kind of suspicion that Patrick Peterson is starting to decline at a really rapid level, but I don't really share the optimism that many Steeler fans have when it comes to Patrick Peterson. I don't think he's going to be all that good. I think he's going to be serviceable, but I definitely don't think he's going to give you the kind of quarter, cornerback play that you were getting out of a guy like Cam Sutton who signed with the Detroit Lions in free agency. So I don't really have a lot of confidence that Patrick Peterson is going to be all that great for the Steelers this year. Now, I could be wrong, and a lot of Pittsburgh fans probably are going to disagree with me on this, but I don't think Patrick Peterson is going to be super good. Okay, I think at best he's going to be average, maybe above average at times, but I'm not expecting a lot out of Patrick Peterson this year. I am really excited about the safety position. We already know what Mika Fitzpatrick brings to the table. He's arguably the best safety in the NFL, but you also finally get rid of Terrell Edmonds. I was looking forward to Terrell Edmonds finally going elsewhere. I'm glad he's off the team. You have Demonte Casey, you also do have Keanu Neal, who you signed in free agency. And Keanu Neal, I think, is going to be a really interesting piece to this defense because not only can he play safety, but he also can be used as a hybrid linebacker at times. And at the linebacker position, you signed Elondon Roberts, Cole Holcomb from Washington, who was a really good player for the Commanders last season. This defense should be pretty good, despite my concerns that I have about Patrick Peterson. Now, this defensive line is going to be absolutely phenomenal. You have Larry Ogunjobi, who was really productive last year. We still know what Cam Hayward brings to the table. Despite the fact that he's getting up there in age, it seems like he's getting better every single season. The older he gets, the better he plays, in my opinion. He's still one of the better interior defense linemen that we have in the game right now. TJ Watt missed a good amount of last season due to injury, but when he came back, this Steelers defense was really good. And then we had the emergence of Alex Highsmith who is looking to get paid. So this defense is going to be really good. And you're going to need this defense to be really good when you're going against the juggernaut offenses that the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens are going to be putting on the field this year. And my expectations for the Steelers this year is for them to be around 9 to 10 wins. That's how good I feel the Steelers can be this year. And if the Steelers get to the playoffs... I do feel they have the ability to maybe win a first-round game and potentially make it to the divisional round of the playoffs. But ultimately, I think that this team, having Mike Tomlin as their head coach, they're going to be elevated. We know that Mike Tomlin, for the last couple of years, he has overachieved as the head coach in Pittsburgh. Many people have said year after year after year in the offseason that the Steelers were going to have a losing season. And always, Mike Tomlin ends up proving those doubters wrong and finds a way to have a winning record. 
And this year, I expect no differently. There are a lot of fans out there who think that the Steelers are going to end up finishing in last place in the AFC North, maybe behind the Cleveland Browns or whoever, but I have a lot of confidence in Mike Tomlin. And although I don't really like his decision to retain Mike Canada, I do understand it. It does make a lot of sense when you look at how young quarterbacks develop. Uh, Oftentimes, young quarterbacks are really good when you have the same guys on the coaching staff anytime you have a young quarterback you don't want him having to learn a new system year after year after year and with retaining Matt Canada Kenny Pickett is going to have the opportunity to continue to grow in this system he's going to have a better grasp of the offense and he's going to be more comfortable and for Kenny Pickett he's been putting a lot of work in this offseason with his teammates he also recently was on Ben Roethlisberger's podcast not too long ago he talked about how in a two-minute drill at times he wasn't all that comfortable but you know with that is something that has to be developed with more experience and more in-game action and I think we're going to see a really better version of Kenny Pickett in 2023 as opposed to what we saw out of him his rookie season I think many people have Kenny Pickett a little bit messed up they just go they look at his stats and they don't really watch the games but when Kenny Pickett played in the second half of the year the Steelers only lost two games this was one of the more hotter teams in the NFL to close off the end of the regular season last year and I expect that hot streak to continue with Kenny Pickett getting better every single week every game that I watched out of Kenny Pickett last season the guy improved I remember when he first came in during the first month that he was the starter. He struggled against the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets. I mean, what do you expect when you're going to get some of the best defenses in the NFL? And when you go back and you look at the Miami Dolphins game, he had three interceptions in that game. But despite throwing three interceptions, the Steelers still had the opportunity to win that football game. And the thing with Kenny Pickett, when I look at his mistakes... A lot of them, in my viewpoint, came from him just trying to do a little bit too much with the football. Now, recently, Alex Rollins came out with a video that kind of disturbed me. Kenny Pickett wasn't really the greatest against zone coverage, but I really think that Kenny Pickett is going to be way better this season with the work that he's been putting in this offseason and the fact that he has Mike Tomlin as his head coach. So I'm expecting the Pittsburgh Steelers to be a really good team this year. Now, is this team going to compete for a Super Bowl? Are they going to make a Cinderella run in the playoffs? I strongly doubt it. But with everything that the Steelers have brought in this offseason, improving the offensive line, having a really good group of weapons around Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pratt Firemuth, I think that Kenny Pickett should have a really good second season for Pittsburgh. And How successful the Steelers are going to be this year is largely going to be on the shoulders of Kenny Pickett. I don't think that this is a division anymore where you can just be as good as a coach as Mike Tomlin is and not have somewhat decent quarterback play. If Kenny Pickett doesn't improve this year and he still plays the same way that he did his rookie season, I don't think the Steelers are going to go all that far. But I do have a lot of confidence in Kenny Pickett going into this year. And with how tough this division is, you have to play the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Browns twice. You're going to need good quarterback play and able to have a winning record this season. And I think that the Steelers are going to be able to get that and Kenny Pickett this season. And I think that the Steelers 
should at least be able to make it into the wild card round of this year's playoffs. And if they don't make it to the playoffs, they should at least be able to win nine games. Yes, this division is really tough, but it's not like you don't have the best coach in the AFC North. Despite how talented the Baltimore Ravens, the Browns, and the Bengals are, Mike Tomlin, still without a doubt, is one of the best coaches in the NFL. So I have a lot of faith in Mike Tomlin this season. I like the additions that the Steelers have brought in via free agency in the draft, and I think the Steelers should at least be able to be a playoff football team in 2023. Bryce Young, man. I got into a really heated debate with some Atlanta Falcons fans a couple of days ago. Shout out to my guy, Mad Mike Sports, who is a Atlanta Falcons YouTuber. And they were really pissing me off with how they were trying to knock and discredit Bryce Young. Like, a lot of people keep saying, man, JT, Bryce Young hasn't played a single NFL game. You don't know how good this guy's going to be. Like, listen, man, if you watch Bryce Young play at Alabama... You would know that this guy is the real deal. My only concern about Bryce Young is can he stay healthy? I'm not concerned about his size. I don't need to see Bryce Young play an NFL game to know that this guy is going to be him. His pocket awareness, his accuracy, his ability to improvise and extend plays, his decision making, and plus his ability to read and dissect defenses are all things that translate well to the NFL level. A lot of people look at Bryce Young and they say, man, he played for Alabama, JT. He was throwing to the best receivers. He had the best offensive linemen blocking in front of him. If you watched Alabama for the last two years, you would know that Bryce Young carried Alabama football. Offensively last year, their two best players were Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs. If it wasn't for them... Alabama probably would have had three or four losses and every time Alabama lost last year it was because Bryce Young wasn't on the field the defense sold the game I'm tired of people having doubts about Bryce Young like this dude wasn't a baller at Alabama this dude was literally carrying Alabama on his shoulders there's a reason why Nick Saban called that 2021 season a rebuilding year Alabama wasn't supposed to make it to the national championship Alabama wasn't supposed to upset Georgia in the 2021 SEC championship game There are many people going into that SEC championship game who were expecting Alabama to get blown out after they struggled to beat Auburn. But you want to know why Alabama was able to win that game? Because they had Bryce Young at quarterback. Tell me that you haven't watched Alabama football without telling me that you haven't been watching Alabama football. I was going back and forth with those Falcons fans. They were like, man, JT struggled against LSU, struggled against Tennessee. No, the hell he didn't. If you go back and you watch those games, you would know that the only time Bama lost was when Bryce Young didn't have an opportunity to have the ball in his hands late in games. Every time Bryce Young had the ball in his hands with an opportunity to win the game for Alabama, he came through. This dude has elite poise. He doesn't get rattled in big games or big moments. I don't have any concerns about Bryce Young and how he's going to perform for the Carolina Panthers. If Bryce Young ends up being a bust, 
it will probably be the biggest surprise in all my years covering the NFL draft and making predictions and projections about how well players are going to perform at the NFL level because this dude Bryce Young is one of the best quarterback prospects that has ever come out of the NFL draft. This dude is what a lot of people refer to as a unicorn. He may not be the prototypical size that you normally see out of a quarterback. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not Anthony Richardson. He's not Will Levis. But this dude has elite football IQ. That's what matters, people. Your ability to dissect the game, to understand what defenses are running, what they're trying to do to you, what they're trying to throw at you matters way more than size and how good of a football player you are. It doesn't matter. If you have elite speed and elite size, if you're not able to read defenses. And Bryce Young's processor was probably the best trait about him coming out of Alabama. And when you look at the Carolina Panthers, that was the best place for Bryce Young because now he has Frank Wright as his head coach. Frank Wright has been really good during his career with quarterbacks minus what happened his final season with the Indianapolis Colts when he had Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger that was a train wreck but prior to the 2022 season Frank Wright was really good at being able to get efficient quarterback play Carson Wentz his final season as a starter for the Colts he had 27 touchdowns to seven interceptions that was one of the most efficient seasons that Carson Wentz had in his whole entire NFL career. Phillip Rivers was really productive under Frank Wright. They went to the playoffs. Jacoby Brissett even had a pretty good season under Frank Wright's tutelage when Andrew Luck retired right before the season. This dude, Frank Wright, knows how to get the most out of his quarterbacks. The problem with Frank Wright during his time in Indianapolis is that he was playing musical chairs with a quarterback position, and his final season in Indianapolis, it finally caught up to him, which is why when he got hired by the Carolina Panthers, they ended up giving up so much, including DJ Moore, to trade up for the number one overall pick so they could get Bryce Young. Bryce Young, I have no concerns about this guy being the bust. If I had to rate... On the scale of 1 through 10, my confidence level and Bryce Young not being the bust in the NFL, it will be a 12 out of 10. I'm not going to give it a 10 out of 10. I'm giving this thing a 12 out of 10 because this dude is a damn good football player. I don't care if he looks like a preschooler or a toddler. When you see Bryce Young play, this is somebody who really understands the game of football. This is one of the best quarterback prospects to ever come out of the NFL draft. I'm not concerned about Bryce Young. The Carolina Panthers have a really good team around them, and I'm really surprised that so many people are low on the Carolina Panthers. They have a really good offensive line. Is this a elite offensive line? No, but I do think that this is a top 12, top 13 offensive line. They also are going to have a really good run game. You sign Miles Sanders in free agency. You're going to have Chuba Hubbard, so you're going to be able to run the football effectively. Then your wide receiving core. You may not have any big names that stand out to you. Terrence Marshall, this is somebody who's been in the league for a couple of years. We're still waiting for him to break out, but I definitely think that this can be his breakout season with them having a legitimate quarterback at the helm. What about... Adam Thielen, you signed him, although he's up there in age, this is still somebody who's able to produce at a pretty serviceable level for you. You also have rookie out of Ole Miss, Jonathan Mingo, who Steve Smith was a big fan of. And this guy, Jonathan Mingo, reminds me a lot of A.J. Brown. 
and you're going to have a fantastic defense with one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL that's going to be able to bail Bryce Young out if he makes a mistake. I'm expecting Bryce Young to have a really good rookie season. He already done beat out Andy Dalton for first team reps. You got people out there saying, man, Bryce Young going to struggle, man, because the Carolina Panthers throwing them out too fast. Bro, what the hell are you talking about? If you draft somebody number one overall, they should be able to start for you week one. Bryce Young, what separated him from the rest of the field was his processing ability, his football IQ. I have yet to bring up any stats right now when it comes to talking about how good Bryce Young is. A lot of people who doubt Bryce Young or critique Bryce Young obviously haven't watched a lot of Alabama football. Name me one wide receiver that Bryce Young threw to last year on Alabama's roster that got drafted this year. Name me one player on on the offensive line of the Crimson Tide last season that got drafted. You can't. Alabama has not been that good the last two years. There's a reason why Nick Saban had a drastic overhaul of his coaching staff. Even though those guys left, if Nick Saban wanted to keep those guys, he very well could have. Bryce Young was the large reason for why Alabama had the success that they had over the last two years. I'm so tired of people doubting Bryce Young. There's no reason why anybody should really have any big concerns about Bryce Young if you've been watching the film and you've been watching the tape. Good accuracy. He can see in the middle of the field. He can throw the ball in the middle of the field, which is something that you don't normally see from a lot of quarterbacks his size. This dude has elite pocket presence. Did you not watch him against LSU when he had multiple guys in his face and he was still on his feet finding the open man inside of the pocket? This guy does not get rattled with pressure in his face. And honestly, to tell the truth with you guys right now, I think that Bryce Young is the third best quarterback, well, the second best quarterback in the NFC South. The only quarterback right now that I will put over Bryce Young is Derek Carr. And yes, I know that Bryce Young hasn't played in a single NFL game yet, and it could sound a little bit premature of me to put Bryce Young as the second QB in this division, but I trust him way more than Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter hasn't really proved much in the games that he started for the Atlanta Falcons, and Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, dog, have you seen how awful they look so far in OTAs? They can't even hit an accurate wide receiver, and they're throwing on air. There's no DBs, no defenses lining up, and they still can't hit an accurate pass. I have no doubts and concerns about Bryce Young. I'm expecting Bryce Young to come out and have one of the better rookie seasons that we've seen out of a first-year quarterback since Justin Herbert. Bryce Young, if I had to give you a stat prediction for how I think Bryce Young's rookie season is going to go, I'm going to say 27 touchdowns and 6 interceptions, and he'll probably throw for 4,000 yards. The Carolina Panthers have a really good team around Bryce Young and an incredible coaching staff. Frank Wright is really good when it comes to getting efficient quarterback plays, and now he actually has a legitimate young quarterback to work with, something that he never had during his time as the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. I have no doubts and no concerns about how Bryce Young is going to perform for the Carolina Panthers this year. And I think he's going to be good enough to lead the Carolina Panthers to the playoffs and also being able to win this division. 
This division doesn't have good coaching. You have questions about Dennis Allen, Todd Bowles, and Arthur Smith. And then there's not great quarterback play in this division. Sean Payton is gone. They replaced him with Dennis Allen, who many Saints fans still don't have a lot of confidence in. That's going to be the difference between Carolina and the majority of these teams in this division. You have a proven head coach who's been to the playoffs before. No coach in the NFC South has been to the postseason. You're going to have somebody who's really good at being able to get effective quarterback play. And also, you're going to have a really good team around Bryce Young for him to have success. Bryce Young should have a really phenomenal rookie season. And if you're doubting Bryce Young, I'm going to tell you again, go back and watch the tape at Alabama. This dude didn't just win the Heisman for a reason. He isn't one of the few QBs in the history of Alabama football to be able to have the right to say that he carried this team on his shoulders. You people think just because he came from Alabama, he was just having the best time around him. Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, AJ McCarron, Jalen Hurts, all the quarterbacks that have came before Bryce Young have all had way better teams. There wasn't one receiver on Alabama's roster last year that got drafted. There wasn't one receiver on Alabama's team last year that even looked like they were good enough to get drafted in the first couple of rounds of the NFL draft if they were to declare. The only reliable option that Bryce Young really had was Shamir Gibbs. And you see where he went. He was a first rounder. Surprise, surprise. The two games that Alabama lost last year happened when Bryce Young didn't get an opportunity to get the football late in the game. Tennessee, they beat Alabama. LSU, they beat Alabama due to a last minute, last second, two-point conversion. I don't get why people out there are doubting Bryce Young. This dude can play. F the size. Go watch the tape. Film doesn't lie. This dude is one of the most fundamentally sound quarterbacks that you can find for somebody who's under six feet. He can win from inside the pocket. He's able to make smart decisions with the football. Well, JT, I got to wait for him to play an NFL game. No, you don't. Some guys you can just look at and know that they're going to be him. Joe Burrow. You knew when he was coming out of LSU that he was going to be that guy. Same thing with Justin Herbert. I can't believe there were people out there who thought that Justin Herbert was going to be a bust. There were just certain quarterbacks that when they come out of college, you just know that they're going to be productive at the NFL level. Bryce Young, not only is he going to have a really good rookie season, but I expect him to lead Carolina to the NFC South title and to the postseason. This, in my opinion, is the best team in this division. I don't get why people are doubting Bryce Young for real outside of his ability to stay healthy. This Carolina Panthers team has a good offensive line, a solid group of wide receivers, and very good coaching. This is the best coaching staff in this division. My expectations for Bryce Young is for him to be the prophet. I expect him to stabilize the quarterback position, something that Carolina hasn't had since Cam Newton. They've been bouncing around quarterbacks ever since Cam Newton had to walk out the door. These boys had Baker Mayfield, P.J. Walker, and Sam Darnold starting games at them for quarterback last season. Year before that, they had Teddy Bridgewater. 
You finally have a guy who's going to be able to bring stability to your quarterback position. Bryce Young is going to have a really good rookie season for the Carolina Panthers. And if I end up being wrong, I would be extremely surprised. I really will. There's no way that Bryce Young should end up being a bust. His ability to see the field, his elite decision-making, his ability to process defenses, his accuracy, his improvisation skills, there's no reason why Bryce Young should struggle. Kyler Murray has a really uncertain future with the Arizona Cardinals, man. So he's coming off this ACL injury that he suffered late last year, and he's not going to be able to play until the middle portion of this year's NFL season. And the Arizona Cardinals are expected to be the worst team in the NFL this year. Most people expect them to have the number one overall pick. And depending on how the Houston Texans season goes, they could have a top five or a top ten pick also to go along with the number one overall selection. And with them projected to have the number one overall pick, you look at Caleb Williams, And the fact that he's coming off a fantastic season with USC and most people feel like he's going to be the best quarterback prospect to come out since Patrick Mahomes. And for Arizona, you got a new regime. You got a new general manager in Monte Austin Ford. You got a new head coach in Jonathan Gannon. These guys were not here when Arizona drafted Kyler Murray. And for Kyler Murray, you have concerns about how good is he going to be After his injury, is this going to be the same player prior to his injury or is he going to regress? Is he not going to have the same athleticism that he once had? Because his athleticism, his ability to roll outside the pocket, extend plays, and being able to make dynamic plays with his legs is what made Kyler Murray so good for the couple of seasons that he was a Pro Bowl caliber QB prior to last year. So if a little bit of that athleticism is gone... How good is Kyler Murray going to be as a quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals? Now, you just signed this guy to a large extension last offseason. But if he ends up struggling this year, maybe Arizona could look to trade Kyler Murray. And even if Kyler Murray has a good season, if the leadership issues still pop up and he still is clashing with the coaching staff, I think that there's a strong chance that Kyler Murray could be traded. Now, you may think that it's going to be difficult to trade Kyler Murray because he has a $51.8 million cap hit next year, and in 2025, he's going to have a $45.6 million cap hit, and then he's going to have a $55 million cap hit the year after that. But I think there are going to be plenty of teams out there who are going to be in the bidding for Kyler Murray. I really think that the situation that he's walking into this year of Arizona is not going to be good. Many Cardinals fans don't have a lot of faith in Jonathan Gannon, even though we haven't seen this guy coach the game yet. I don't really think he has a great coaching staff, and this is one of the worst teams in the NFL. So Kyler Murray is kind of being being put in the situation to fail. So for Kyler Murray, if he ends up struggling with Arizona this year, what's his future? Why keep a guy who... It's kind of coming off an injury who may end up regressing and may not get along with the new regime. Monte Austin Ford, when he first got hired by Arizona, he took some subliminals at Kyler Murray saying that Eagles would not be tolerated. That was kind of a subliminal in my opinion. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think he was kind of trying to call out Kyler Murray just indirectly. There's a reason why Arizona put that stipulation 
that study clause initially in that first contract that they gave them, which they eventually ended up revising the contract and taking it out because it was a bad look on his part. But they just didn't put that contract stipulation in there for no good reason. There's a reason why it was in there. There's been concerns about Kyler Murray's character dating back to when he was coming out of Oklahoma. You guys remember his Dan Patrick interview? That was a really awkward interview to watch. For Kyler Murray, we don't know how good he's going to be this post-ACL injury. I still think that he's a pretty good quarterback. I still consider him to be a top 10 quarterback regardless of what happened last year. A lot of people forget before Kyler Murray went down with that injury last season, previously in 20, what, 2021, Arizona at one point had arguably the best record in the NFC. And then things started to go south. Then they made it to the wild card round. They got dominated and dismantled by the LA Rams, who would eventually go on to win the Super Bowl. But Kyler Murray, his first couple of years in the league was damn good. So I'm a little bit confused that some people are kind of starting to sour over Kyler Murray just because he had one down year. But if he has another down year, I'm not going to put it all on him. I'm going to put it on this coaching staff not being good and the team around him not being good. And if he wants to get traded to a team like Minnesota when the season ends, I think he could do some huge damage in Kevin O'Connell's system. Maybe if you end up trading him to the Las Vegas Raiders, if they end up getting a new head coach and a new regime, he could end up doing work there. But Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals, man, like, I don't know if he's going to be the long-term option for Arizona. I just kind of think that it's a lose-lose situation. Now, if Kyler Murray does ball out, okay, then if you're Arizona, even if you do have two high draft picks, you can end up using one of those draft picks to trade down and acquire more assets to build this team around Kyler Murray. But I really don't think that Kyler Murray is going to succeed with this new regime. A large reason why he was able to be successful is because Cliff Kingsbury was able to run the system that Kyler Murray had a lot of familiarity with. Let's not forget the reason why Arizona initially moved on from Josh Rosen one year after they drafted him. Kyler Murray was just a better fit in Cliff Kingsbury's system. Kyler Murray is not a quarterback that you can just put in any offense. You have to have a really smart offensive coordinator who knows how to maximize Kyler Murray's ability and being able to scheme with his limitations, that being his height. You see, the difference between Bryce Young and Kyler Murray is that Bryce Young can actually throw and see in the middle of the field. Kyler Murray can't. A lot of his plays are dictated based on being able to get outside the pocket and make things happen there. And with this coaching staff, which many people have a lot of concerns about, I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to succeed. And I think that there's a strong chance once the season concludes this year that Kyler Murray ends up playing in a new uniform in 2024. Many of you Cardinals fans may disagree with that, but when you look at Caleb Williams, this is somebody who people are hyping up to be the best QB prospect since Patrick Mahomes, and if you go and you watch Caleb Williams, you can definitely see and understand the hype. And he's the kind of player who you could kind of plug and play into any offense, and he can be successful. And then you could potentially pair him up with another good talent. Maybe you could be in the running for Marvin Harrison Jr. Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., that's a good combination. Now, you probably could make the argument and say, JT, if Kyler Murray works out, what about Kyler Murray and Marvin Harrison Jr. with Marquise Brown? That would be a really good combination also. But when I look 
at Kyler Murray's current situation with Arizona right now. There's just a bunch of question marks and a bunch of concerns that many people have with Kyler Murray, myself included. I don't know if he's still going to have the same athleticism that he once did prior to that injury. And we don't even know if he's going to be able to get along with that new coaching staff and that new regime. So when it comes to Kyler Murray's future with the Cardinals, I strongly doubt that he's going to remain in Arizona for the long term. And even though he has a big contract that may turn teams off a little bit, I still think that there are more than plenty of teams right now that are going to be more than willing to give up the necessary compensation to get Kyler Murray. Now, you may not get a Russell Wilson kind of trade package, but you should be able to get at least a first-round pick or two for Kyler Murray. It's not like this dude is a bum. It's not like this guy can't play. Even if he does struggle this season, you should still be able to at least get a first-rounder for him. Let's not forget that this guy coming into the league for his first couple of years was a Pro Bowl caliber QB. One season just doesn't define you, but if two do, plus you have the injury concerns, how he is going to be post-ACL, that definitely will concern you, but you should at least be able to get a first-round pick for that. Kyler Murray's contract, even though he has a huge cap hit, I'm not too worried about it because that's just the way that these quarterback contracts are. If a team trades for Kyler Murray, they're going to be able to structure their team based on his opposed cap hit. And even then, there may be some things that a certain team may be able to work out and able to make the cap hit a little bit more bearable or to minimize how big the cap hit impacts their ability to fill other needs on their roster. But I strongly doubt that Kyler Murray is going to be the QB for the Arizona Cardinals in 2024. I just don't think that this is a good situation. Kyler Murray just isn't a quarterback that you can just plug and play into any system, and plus he's coming off a really major injury. And then you're going to be expecting this guy to come in during the middle portion of the season, not being able to participate in OTAs, training camp, not being able to really get any action in this new system. I mean, come on. This just is a recipe for for disaster. You saw how Deshaun Watson struggled after he came back from that long suspension last season. He was really rusty. So if Kyler Murray looks rusty coming back, which I do expect him to be, I think that the Arizona Cardinals look at it and they say, you know what, we're in position to draft Caleb Williams or Drake May. Let's just go ahead, trade Kyler Murray, get some more draft capital, and continue to rebuild this team. If anything, Kyler Murray could be an asset to assist in Arizona's rebuild. You trade Kyler Murray, you get a first-round pick for him. You, you then have three first-round picks. And depending on the team who trades for him, you could end up having multiple picks inside of the top 15, top 10. But looking at Kyler Murray's situation with Arizona, man, it doesn't really look good. People don't, have, people don't have a lot of faith in his coaching staff. He's coming off a major injury. He's going to have to come back during the middle portion of the season where it's going to take him a little bit while to get back into the floor of the game. I mean, I just think that all the odds are against Kyler Murray remaining the franchise QB for the Arizona Cardinals long term. Last thing I want to talk about is why Kentucky is the SEC's most underrated team going into this college football season, man? Kentucky went 7-6 last year, and unusually, their offensive line was really bad. You do not normally see Kentucky's offensive line being as bad as what it was last year. It was really weird. This was a team that prior to last year in 2021 was in the running for the Joe Moore Award, which is awarded to the best offensive line in college football. 
But this year, though, despite the fact that Kentucky is losing Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez, you bring back offensive coordinator Leon Cohen, who left last year briefly to be back on Sean McVay and the LA Rams coaching staff after he was the OC for Kentucky in 2021, in which that season, Kentucky had their best season offensively under head coach Mark Stoops. Will Levis had a fantastic year. Wondell Robinson was really good under Leon Cohen. And then he leads one season for the NFL and all hell just breaks loose in Kentucky. So thank God you have him back. You had Rich Gangarello, who was your offensive coordinator last year. Like, I knew that was going to be a disaster. Did y'all not see that man when he was the OC under Vic Vangio with the Denver Broncos? Absolutely terrible. So you bring back Leon Cohen. So you're going to have really good play calling on the offensive side of the football. And then you bring in quarterback Devin Leary out of the transfer portal, who suffered the injury last year that kept him out of action for NC State. But for the most part, when this guy is healthy, he's one of the better quarterbacks in college football. And when he was playing for NC State, he, without a question, was the best quarterback in the ACC. And in my opinion, I think that Kentucky upgraded that quarterback. Will Levis, he was okay at times. And although he did play through a lot of injuries, this guy just wasn't all that good. He was reckless with the football. He struggled reading defenses. He was erratic when it came to his accuracy and ball placement. You got Devin Leary. This guy is a way better quarterback than Will Levis. He's not as athletic as Will Levis is, but this guy's a way better passer than Will Levis is. And even with Will Levis being in the NFL right now, Devin Leary still is better than Will Levis. Okay? And then... You look at the wide receiving core that Kentucky has going into this season. This is one of the best wide receiving cores in the SEC. And I know it may be a little bit weird hearing that because when you think about Kentucky, you don't really think about them having good receivers all that often. You think about them having really good running backs. But this is a team that I think is going to be really good when it comes to being able to throw the football at a really high level. You have two really good sophomore players at wide receiver and Baron Brown and Dane Key. Both of those two receivers were highly touted when they were coming out of high school. They had really good true freshman campaigns last year for Kentucky. They were Kentucky's what? Top two, top three best receivers last year, and they were true freshmen, fam. And the only concern for Kentucky's offense is going to be this offensive line. But like I said at the start of this segment, that their offensive line play last year was really unusual because normally you can always count on Kentucky having one of the best offensive lines in college football. So I do expect this offense to improve, although it may not be at the level that it once was prior to 2021. But I do think that this offensive line can at least be solid. And when you look at the SEC East this year, I mean, outside of Georgia, Tennessee, and South Carolina, I mean, who else is going to be up there? And Kentucky's schedule is pretty easy. I mean, they could walk in to their game on the road against Georgia, potentially being 5-0. They start the season out playing Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt, even though they have to play them on the road. Vanderbilt isn't just going to be one of those teams anymore that you just look on your schedule and you just draw an automatic W. That could be a little bit of a dogfight. Then you got to play Florida. I mean, Florida has Grant Mertz at QB, dog. And their offensive line is not all that great. The receiving court isn't really all that great. So they should be able to win that game. 
So going into Georgia, this is a large possibility that the Wildcats end up being undefeated going into that matchup. And Kentucky's defense is going to be really good this year. Their secondary is a little bit of a mystery because they don't really have a lot of proving returning production coming back. But defenses under Mark Stoops have always been pretty good. And I think the fact that this front seven is going to be really good for Kentucky this year is going to be able to assist that secondary out a lot. Due to the fact that if you can get consistent pressure on the quarterback, the guys on the back end of your secondary aren't going to have to be in coverage all that long. And going against these teams that they play this season, there aren't too many teams that really scare you when it comes to good quarterback play and having good receiver play. I mean, you're playing Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt, and Florida. I don't think any of those teams are going to have fantastic quarterback play. So your defensive line should be able to eat and your secondary shouldn't really struggle all that much. And then after you play Georgia, that's where you get into the heart of your schedule. You're playing Missouri and then after that, you got your bye week. Then you play Tennessee, but you're playing them at home. You got Mississippi State on the road. I don't think they're going to be all that great transitioning from that air raid offense to more of a spread pro style offense. Then you got to play Alabama, but you play them at home also like some of Kentucky's toughest games this year are going to be at home. Outside of Georgia, that's their toughest road game this year. You go on the road. You got to play South Carolina and Louisville to close out the season. But those are two winnable games that Kentucky should be able to win on the road. Their offensive line is probably the biggest question mark for this team. And probably behind that would be the secondary. But the secondary has talent. The question just is the experience factor. But you're not really facing too many teams that are going to be able to challenge your secondary all that well. I mean, Florida has Graham Mertz at QB. Are you serious right now? Now, their offensive line, the reason why I think their old line is going to improve this year is because they had a couple of their better offensive linemen from 2021 who were playing out of position last year, such as Kenneth Horsey who was playing games at left tackle last season for them. He's going to be moving back to his natural position at offensive guard. You also do have Eli Cox, who started the season now that center. He's going to be moving back to guard this year because of the emergence of Jager Burton. And Jager Burton could end up being one of the best centers in this conference. Then you got a really good offensive tackle in Marquise Cox out of NYU. Northern Illinois University, for some of y'all who don't understand that abbreviation, this dude was one of the best pass-blocking offensive linemen, according to Pro Football Focus. The only main question for Kentucky's offensive line really is going to be who's going to be starting at right tackle because right now they still have a position battle that's probably not going to be decided until fall camp. But Kentucky's offensive line, I am expecting this offensive line to be solid this year. And I'm not saying this offensive line is going to revert back to what do they used to call this thing? The big blue wall. But I do think that this offensive line should be good enough for this offensive line to have a way better season than what it did last year. And I think that this offense is going to be really good this year. I think that this probably could be one of the better offenses in the whole entire SEC. Devin Leary. Probably is one of the best quarterbacks in this conference this year. I mean, there's not too many proven quarterbacks in this conference at the moment. Outside of Jaden Daniels and Spencer Rattler and... Shoot, I don't even know if you can throw Carson Beck in there because 
the jury's still out on him, but I'll probably throw him back in there. But, I mean, Devin Leary probably is one of the top two or top three quarterbacks in this conference going into this year. I mean, you can throw on Will Rogers, but I think that when you look at Devin Leary, this is somebody that is a really good passer, really accurate with the football, makes good decisions, and him playing with a really good group of wide receivers. Hell, I forgot about Tevin Robinson. I know one of y'all Kentucky fans are probably typing in the comment section, man. You forgot about Tavian Robinson. I forget. Yeah, I, I wrote them down on my notes. But this is a really good team that Kentucky has going into this season. Their defensive line is absolutely stacked. I mean, there are some coaches that were talking about this defensive line on Kentucky staff, and they feel like they have multiple guys who could end up being starters elsewhere. They're like eight, nine, damn near ten guys deep on the defensive line. So they're going to be able to rotate guys in, keep guys fresh. They're going to be good against the run. They're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. And when you look at Kentucky's schedule, man, I think that the floor for Kentucky is seven wins. The ceiling for Kentucky is ten. Okay, now, possibly, maybe they only lose well, I'm not going to say that because they probably are going to lose two games, but I think that Kentucky has potential to be between 7-10 wins. Now, if I had to give you my record prediction for Kentucky right now, I'd probably say they win nine games. I do think that they're going to end up being 5-0 going into that game against Georgia because, I mean, they don't really have any tough teams that they're going to be facing on the road. You got to play Vandy, bro. Even though I'm not overlooking Vandy, but I just think that when you look at the talent that Kentucky has up front, they should be able to beat Vanderbilt pretty handily. Same thing with Florida. Florida is not going to be that good. They downgraded that quarterback, dog. You thought Anthony Richardson was not that good? Oh, they in trouble with Grand Mertz, boy. And then you got Missouri. I mean, I like Eli Drinkowitz just because I like pronouncing his name, but... I don't know. They looking a little bit shaky themselves. Now, Tennessee, we know what Tennessee is going to do with Joe Milton. That dude has one of the strongest damn arms in the history of football. He's going to be slinging that rock. But that's a game that could go either way. Same thing with them playing South Carolina and Louisville. Now, Alabama, I don't know. Alabama, even with their quarterback situation, I still do think they're going to be able to out-talent Kentucky in a sense. But for the most part, I think that Kentucky is the SEC's most underrated team in 2023. Some of y'all may say it's South Carolina, but I don't really think too many people are underrating South Carolina. We know what the Beamer boys are capable of. We saw what they did to Tennessee. We saw what they did to Clemson. I'm not doubting South Carolina. I don't know about y'all, but I think a lot of people are really sleeping on Kentucky. I've seen a lot of record predictions that have had Kentucky at 6-7 wins. I don't see it. I think that this is an 8-9 win team, 10 win team at best. And yes, they are capable of being able to beat Tennessee. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Alabama or Georgia, but those are probably the only two losses that I probably would give Kentucky. I think that this team is good enough to be able to win 10 games and possibly make it to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Now, are they going to be able to challenge Georgia? I doubt it because Georgia just has some different dudes up front. But they normally give Georgia a pretty tough time. They don't, Georgia, when they play Kentucky, I mean, they may beat them, but it's not really one of those games that you just watch and it's just Georgia running up and down the field against Kentucky. Normally, Kentucky puts up a pretty big fight against Georgia because this is a really physical football team. 
And I look at Kentucky going into 2023, man, I think that this is a team that is incredibly underrated in the SEC, which is why I think that Kentucky is the SEC's most underrated team in 2023. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. If you enjoyed, make sure that you leave us with a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. Share this episode of the podcast with all your friends, family members, and acquaintances. And I will see you guys tomorrow with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.